Okay, hello and welcome back to Cinema at First Sight. Today is the last episode of season one, which is wild. Look at us journeying together. Unless this is your first time tuning in, then welcome. The whole premise of this show is that I will watch either the first episode of a TV show or the first half of a movie and make a judgment call without any context at all. So that's exactly what we're going to be doing today in this season one finale. The movie that I am tackling is the Amazon Prime original in Australia or Netflix original everywhere else in the world, I Care A Lot, starring Golden Globe winner Rosamund Pike. So first question off the rank, is this a rewatch or is this a first time watch? For me, this is a first time watch. Honestly, I watched the Golden Globes and saw that Rosamund Pike won and really wanted to see what all the hype was about, so I'm jumping on this train late, but better late than never. Now let's delve into some basic plot points, and honestly by basic plot points I mean incredibly detailed plot points for the first 50% of this film because I talk about a thousand words of notes because oh my god the plot of this is wild. The movie begins as we meet Marla Grayson, played by Rosamund Pike who's getting by by conning the legal system into granting her guardianship over elderly people she convinces the court can't take care of themselves, and then she proceeds to bleed them dry. Think the relationship between Britney Spears and her father. She checks them into an assisted living facility and then sedates them until they're basically zombies and sells all of their things and takes off with the cash. Honestly, I'm low-key jealous I didn't think of it first. This doesn't go over swimmingly with everyone, particularly one guy, Mr. Feldstrom, who both she and the court prevent from seeing his mother at the beginning of the film because his visits, quote, upset her, leading him to yell that he hopes Marla, quote, gets raped, murdered, and killed before spitting on her. But to be honest, this kind of seems like business as usual for Marla. She just threatens to castrate him and then gets on with her day. She goes back to the office where it seems that this whole scam is a real full-on professional operation. I mean, she has a receptionist, she has doctors on her side, her girlfriend and work partner Fran is doing all kinds of paperwork. She even has a wall full of catalogued elderly headshots so she can pick who she exploits daily. And again, I feel bad for saying this, but low-key, goals. If this unemployment thing keeps up any longer, I think I know where my life is headed. When an elderly victim of hers dies, Marla hits up one of the dodgy doctors she has on tap to look for someone to fill the open spot, and learns all about recent familyless retiree Jennifer Peterson, who's suffering from mild confusion and memory loss. If that doesn't sound like exploitation fodder, I don't know what does. In exchange for some kind of stock, honestly even after the big shot I still don't understand the stock market, in court, Dr. Amos promotes Jennifer's mild memory loss to dementia, and Marla is awarded full guardianship. The hustle is on. We then meet Jennifer, who is played by Queen Diane Wiest, who seems lovely and understandably confused that her rights are being taken away from her by some random. And this is where I become morally conflicted between two Hollywood icons. She's unwillingly shipped off to an aged care facility before Marla quickly gets to work doing her usual, selling Jennifer's house, her car, raiding her belongings, one of which is a safety deposit box filled with money and diamonds, which is always a good find. Odd and kind of dodge for sure, but a good find nonetheless. Then the plot thickens. A random guy shows up to Jennifer's house announcing to Fran that he has a taxi waiting for Miss Peterson, and when Fran tells him she doesn't live there anymore, 
aforementioned random guy meets up with a shifty looking Peter Dinklage, aka in this movie, Roman, and breaks the news to him. He absolutely does not take it well and threatens him at gunpoint because turns out Roman is some sort of crime lord and also Jennifer's son. I know what you're thinking. I thought she didn't have any family. Well, looks like we thought wrong. When he finds out she's been put into an aged care facility by Marla, he gets one of his men, Dean, on the case to get her out. Dean, played by Danny from The Mindy Project, tells Marla that he's onto her game, kind of subtly threatens to kill her, and then also offers her $150,000 to release Jennifer. He's literally a one-man good cop, bad cop. But Marla turns it down because to her that's probably literal spare change. He takes her to court, claiming that Jennifer is actually able to take care of herself, which makes sense because she is. But the judge rules against him, which of course just makes Peter Dinklage more and more angry, like angrier than he was an elf. Marla and Fran then begin deep diving into Jennifer's life and find out that Jennifer isn't even her real name. Turns out the real Jennifer Peterson died of polio in 1949 at three months old, and Diane Weist is someone completely different. Meanwhile, Peter Dinklage's minions infiltrate the aged care facility with tasers and guns in hand to try and get fake Jennifer out, but Marla foils their plan. And that is officially the midway point. I mean, what an explosive cliffhanger. This movie really said, I'ma do it all. So we have a lot to work with, let's dive in. First question, favorite slash most exciting slash most pivotal moment. First of all, I just have to say, what an interesting and cool concept for a film. Corruption in the guardianship slash aged care community, I mean, it could 100% be rampant, and if it isn't, it will definitely be after this movie because oh my god, what easy money. I mean, of course, it's morally corrupt and everything, and I wouldn't actually do it, but if I did, I'd be thriving. So I'm really enjoying the whole original concept of it, and also the twist that we've been handed. So for me, what I wrote down before I knew that a plot twist was coming was that the first pivotal moment is when we see Jennifer get carted off to the aged care facility, because before this, the whole scam is theoretical. And yeah, we're seeing corruption play out, but it's from the sole point of view of the perpetrator. We see all of the perks that Marla was getting, and also personally, I was definitely vibing with her take no prisoners energy. But then when I actually met one of the prisoners and she was dying waste, I began to feel bad for her and my pesky morals kicked in. So I feel like that's a real turning point and kind of makes you unsure of whether or not you can root for or even like the lead. A true moral Olympics. And then, obviously, as I kept going with the film, I came to terms with the fact that the most pivotal moment is when we meet Peter Dinklage and find out that Jennifer's life is a lot more complicated than it seems. I mean, she has a son who's a crime lord, which means not only that she's been lying, but Marla's life is about to get a whole lot harder. A real spanner in the works. The complication, if you will. And then another pivotal moment is when you find out that Jennifer's not even her real name, but we've already uncovered the big bombshell that Peter Dinklage is a crime lord, so I would say that one takes the cake for most pivotal moments so far. And in terms of favourite moments, I don't really think I have one, honestly. It's not really the kind of film where there's a scene in particular where I'm like, that was really funny, or that was insane and crazy. I just feel like I'm kind of going along for the ride. Which I'm definitely not complaining about, but there's nothing that stands out to me in particular. Now moving on to least favourite slash least exciting slash least pivotal moments. 
Honestly, I think my least favorite moment is when Mr. Feldstrom at the beginning attacks Marla outside the courthouse because yes, while he is the victim, we just don't stand that misogynistic energy. And again, when Jennifer, or whatever her name is, is carted away to the aged care facility because honestly, the prospect of someone coming, rendering my agency useless and taking over my whole life and everything I know and own is a nightmare. Aging do be scary. I don't want to be reminded of my own mortality on the daily. And in terms of least pivotal moments, again, I don't think there are any at this point. This is kind of a thriller-esque movie, so I'm assuming there will be some other plot twist down the line pertaining to some scene that at the moment is seemingly inconsequential. But even saying that, I can't pinpoint a scene that has been seemingly inconsequential. Even the bit at the beginning with Mr. Feldstrom that I mentioned, it's technically unrelated to the main plot, but it was a way of showing right off the bat how manipulative, and if we're being honest, good at her job Marla really is. And also how that is bound to have some sort of negative consequence. So everything seems fairly necessary, and I think that will come to fruition in the rest of the film. Hot take. My prediction, you heard it here first. Now moving along to favourite characters. Honestly? Kind of no one? I'm very stressed about this answer. It ebbs and flows. Honestly, I guess Jennifer. She's cute and old and also played by the absolute goddess Diane Weist and definitely deserves better. But you know, also at the same time, her entire identity is a lie and her son is a major crime lord. At one point, Marla goes to visit her to try and find out who she is and she responds with, I'm the worst mistake you'll ever make. And I think that about sums up her character's energy. So some pros, but also definitely some cons. And then I don't even know if I can put her in this category, but let's just talk about Marla for a bit. Look, she's unapologetically amoral. I respect that. She does state from the get-go that playing fair is a joke invented by rich people to keep the rest of us poor. And while I don't condone her behavior, she's not wrong. She literally describes herself as a lioness and I would have to agree. Is she a good person? God, no. But also, I guess, is anyone really 100% altruistic? She just doesn't lie about it, I guess. She's strong. She takes no nonsense. She's a fighter. I definitely want to bring her along on a camping trip or have her in a high-stakes situation. In an alternate universe, I think she'd be a great TED Talk speaker. Also, Rosamund Pike is kind of an icon. And she's killing it in this movie. I wouldn't expect anything less. But also, when it comes to cons for Marla, she is completely corrupt, no ifs or buts about it. She seems to have no empathy or care about anyone else, except maybe her girlfriend, Fran. And while I get cheating the system to get ahead is a thing that people do, at what cost? Also, what for? What is her end goal? If you tread on everyone to get to the top, then it's gonna be really lonely once you get there. So I wouldn't say that she's one of my favorite characters, but she's also not one of my least favorite characters. I'm just really morally confused. Whose side am I on? I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm on no one's. And no one else even comes close to making it on this list. Like, despite the fact that I love Peter Dinklage in general and also love Chris Messina in The Mindy Project, the characters just aren't doing it for me in terms of elevating them to a favorite character status. But saying this, I'm going to move along to the next category, least favorite characters. Do I have any? Also, not really. Everyone kind of sucks, but also no one sucks enough for me to hate them. If I were rooting for Marla, then Peter Dinklage would for sure be my enemy, but I'm not rooting for her. I actually kind of want her to get caught, but also don't want her to get caught enough that she's my least favorite character. 
I honestly think my least favorite character again is Mr. Feldstrom from the beginning. Like yeah, he's falsely being denied rights to see his mother and all of his family money is currently being drained, but manners never go astray. Spitting and wishing rape and murder on someone, that's not the best negotiation strategy. If I were Marla, that kind of behavior would just make me want to deny him more visitation rights and steal more of his assets. He's the only character so far I have found straight up dislikable. Everyone else has more nuance. I guess it just goes to show that people aren't black and white, which I appreciate, but also I'm very stressed by. So moving on to storylines I think will be expanded upon or think should be expanded upon or what I want to see more or less of. I just have a bunch of questions that I would like answered. I mean, obviously, who is the real Jennifer? What's her real name? What is she hiding? What's her story? Why is she hiding diamonds? I also just want to see more of Jennifer in general because I love Diane Weist and feel like she could always do with some more screen time. And a big question I have is what kind of crime is Peter Dinklage into? We know he's a crime lord, but what is he the lord of? There was some mention of something to do with product, but that could be anything. Drugs, illegally downloaded Glee episodes, you name it. I hope it's the latter. And what's going to happen to Marla? We left off on a pretty big cliffhanger of her sabotaging Peter Dinklage's plans to free his mother. So clearly there's a storm brewing and Peter's just been getting angrier and angrier. So he's going to retaliate, but how and when? I think I'd also like to see more of Fran, Marla's girlfriend, because she's had about two lines so far. She seems to be one of the big brains behind the operation, but she doesn't get any credit for it. She doesn't really get to do anything. I'm not even able to evaluate her morals yet. So I'd like to see more of her so that I can form more of a solid opinion about her. And now moving along to most problematic moments. I mean, obviously the entire concept. Ripping off old people and pretending they can't fend for themselves, selling off their assets and pocketing the profit is about as morally corrupt as it comes. But obviously is the movie advocating that people do this? I sincerely hope and also assume not. So this is just the movie centering around and navigating a problematic topic and not indicative of the movie itself holding problematic viewpoints. Also, I don't think this movie is supposed to be taken incredibly seriously. Even though it is very intense and is a thriller, it still has moments of comedy. I would say it's kind of a black comedy, but nevertheless, it has a sense of humor. So anyone watching this and thinking that it's advocating we steal from the old is watching it through a very, very interesting and incorrect lens. Now, what category of viewing is this movie? The three categories I have are trash, meaning that it's a terrible film, treasure, meaning that it's a genuinely well-made film, or guilty pleasure, meaning that it's kind of poorly made and poorly written, but I'm into it despite this fact. So, I mean, I think you can already tell if the Golden Globe wins weren't enough, this movie is a treasure. It is a really good film and I am genuinely into it. To be honest, it's not my favorite recent movie in the unapologetic female lead black thriller comedy genre, because that would definitely be Promising Young Woman, but this is still a very solid film. I don't know if I would necessarily say I'm enjoying it, which sounds weird, but I am very lured and fascinated by it, but am I having a particularly good time watching it? Not necessarily, but I'm very caught up in the tension, so I don't know what that means. I don't know how to psychoanalyze myself and my relationship with this film, but I'm very immersed in it and appreciate that it's very well made and well acted. And I'm very eager to see what happens next. 
Next up is viewing style. So who would I watch it with? Where would I watch it? And who would I not watch it with? AKA what are the least and most ideal viewing circumstances? I feel like I always say this, but it has a pretty broad audience. I wouldn't watch it with anyone young just in case they think this movie is actually advocating stealing from the elderly and I also probably wouldn't show it to anyone really old because I know, as I said, I became super aware of my own mortality and worried about being forced into an aged care facility at the age of 22. So I can only imagine what watching this would be like if it were actually plausible it could happen to me. But apart from that, I'd say I'd watch it with anyone. In an ideal world, my recommendation would be to watch it with one other person or a small group of people who have some kind of appreciation for movies, because if someone spoke all the way through this, the tension would definitely be lost, and important plot points would 100% be missed. So a quiet, respectful gaggle of movie lovers. And will I keep going with the rest of the film? Like I said before, definitely. And very keen to see what's to come. I'm expecting a lot, I'm expecting big things, I'm expecting a plot twist of sorts, and I'm ready for it. I'm gearing up. I actually think an explosive ending is what this film needs, so I'm here for it. I'm here to see it. And final question, rating out of 5, I think I'm going to give I Care A Lot a 3.5 out of 5. It's a really good film, and yes, I am excited to see where it goes. Is it one of my favourite movies ever? No, and I don't think it's going to be by the end, but also it doesn't need to be. The acting's great, particularly from Rosamund, a powerhouse performance, and like I said before, the concept's really interesting, and the plot twists seem abundant and really get you in kind of immediately. And I would recommend you give it a go on whatever streaming service your country is offering it on. And I think that's all I have for you for both this episode and season one. I hope you've enjoyed my little foray into the podcast realm with Cinema at First Sight and gear up for 10 more episodes in season two premiering May 20th. Mark it in your calendars or don't. Live in the moment and it'll come when it comes. And I will speak to you then. Thank you for listening. Bye.